Welcome to Mark My Words, a podcast that not only aims to inspire and teach the listener about entrepreneurship, it also aims to give my guests an opportunity to talk about their unique journey in entrepreneurship and life. So join me and my guests as we meet at the crossroads on Mark My Words. Today on Mark My Words, I have a guest who might be the first guest all time to hail from Auckland, New Zealand, and she is a rapid transformational therapist, and before I hit record, she said, quote unquote, soul trader, which she's going to explain a little bit more about. She is a real interesting backstory that kind of like led her to where she is today as a rapid transformational therapist, which is a real mouthful to say all at once. And she is Lorraine McGuire. Welcome, Lorraine, to Mark My Words. How are you doing today? Oh, thanks, Mark. It's great to be here. And thank you for having me on your podcast. I love your podcast name, by the way, Mark My Words, using your name. It's brilliant. Uh, and yeah, I'm really good down here in New Zealand today. It's a beautiful sunny day, so I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, it's not. I don't know. If, I know if you're looking at the video, it looks pretty sunny, but I think it's actually more like overcast, but it is warm here. So I don't know how warm or cold it is in New Zealand today. Yeah, it's warm. So we're still at the tail end of our summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it's nice and warm. It's like beautiful blue blue sky out there today. Uh, and I already I can feel the temperature coming up in, in the house. So it's going to be a hot one today. Yeah, I, you know, I work from home these days and I spend a lot of my day in my PJs. And when I got ready to do this episode, I did my thing, I got ready, changed into some lighter clothes because I was in like, you know, a hoodie and sweatpants. And all of a sudden I'm like, how is it more warm now than it was when I was wearing all that stuff? <laughs> it just all of a sudden got really warm. Brilliant. I know I find that over the day because I work from home as well. And uh, it just gets hotter through the day. I've got a a system in my house called HRV. It's a ventilation system. And it tells me sometimes it's like up at 44 degrees in the roof space and like 30 degrees in the house. And you're like, how do you cool that down? It's, you know, like, yeah, it gets it gets hotter as the day goes on. Yeah, no, it's definitely hit that point here where there's like a fine line. It's cold in the morning, sometimes even a little unbearable, and then all of a sudden it just changes over. And if you're really focused like I was earlier, you don't even notice it until you actually start moving around. So putting all that aside, now that we have our weather forecast here (laughs) in the middle of March, let's talk about you and why you're here today other than the weather. (laughs) <laughs> and that is to talk about your life, your journey, your crossroads, 
et cetera, et cetera. And I've kind of gotten into a habit of starting things off like a real conversation by just asking, you know, you are where you are today is a rapid transformational, I would say specialist, therapist. <laughs> yeah. And boy, that's a mouthful. You'll have to explain <laughs> how you uh, go about telling people what exactly you do, because that's uh, such a long name. But uh, I, I usually start off by asking, because I have a real curiosity about what you might have been dreaming about doing when you were younger. And if you went to college, like what did you decide to like major in? Like, what were you thinking back in Lorraine's younger years? That's, that's actually a hilarious question, Mark. Um, Cause I wasn't thinking that's the thing. <laughs> so, you know, like I left um, high school, which was, you know, at the age of 17, which is before we go to university. And to be honest, I had no idea, no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I was quite good at like maths and accounting at that time, but I'd started drinking. Uh, and I know now I didn't know it then, but I'd started drinking and already was alcoholically drinking from, you know, a very early age. So 16, 17, my grades had started to go down. I just really was interested in partying and having fun, to be honest. And so actually my mum suggested um, teachers training college because she had remembered when I was about 11, I had a really good teacher. And I came home from school one day saying, when I'm older, I'm going to be a teacher, just like Mrs. whatever her name was, you know, Mrs. Compton. Oh, I remembered Mrs. Compton. And um, so mum said, you know, oh, teachers training college has got late applications. So I just went, okay, then, because honestly, I had no idea. I didn't know what I wanted to do. The thought of university actually terrified me because my grades had gone down and because my drinking had gone up. And, and um yeah, I just didn't really believe in myself and my abilities to, to achieve anything. So I went to teachers training college, basically, just because my mum suggested it. And I did okay, I think, for the first year. And then the second year, the partying kind of took over. And over here, we were we had a, a student loan scheme. So I, you know, I would just draw down on this loan scheme. And my, <laughs> the loan was getting bigger and bigger. But I was drawing down to party and hanging out with friends when I should have been studying and basically I started to fail so I was like that's that I don't want to do this and I, and I really thinking back if I'd gone to be a teacher I probably should have been like a maths teacher or an accounting teacher something that I was good at but I went to be a primary school teacher which meant you had to know art I couldn't even draw a stick figure um, you had to you know do guitar and music and I was like I couldn't even get my hand around the guitar my hands were so little I couldn't get my hands around the guitar and so I really struggled with the the differing, you know, um, areas of primary teaching and having to know a bit about everything and teach everything. And so after a couple of years, I deferred for a year and I said, I'm going to go and get a job, but I did it properly so that I could go back if I wanted to. And then my auntie suggested there was jobs in her bank. So I went and got a job in the bank because, so my mum suggested teachers training college. Okay, off I went. My auntie suggested the bank, off I went. You know, I didn't really think, what did I want to do? What was I good at? I didn't really know those things about myself. So I did about a year and a half in the bank, I think. I did really well, actually. I got promoted a few times and uh, 
then I moved to the UK. So I decided to do what's called in Alcoholics Anonymous, a geographical. So basically I was running away from myself and my drinking because as I got into the bank, I got more money, you see. And after a year of being in the bank, the university wrote to me to say, you know, your deferment's up for a year, come back. And I was earning more money in the bank than I would have as a teacher. So why would I go back to teaching? And so I basically was in the bank and then I, I was earning the money, which meant I could spend more on partying. And, you know, I was doing embarrassing things in my drinking. I felt a lot of shame. And so I thought, right, I'm going to go to the UK. Um, so a lot of New Zealanders, they do the big OE, the big overseas experience. And for most people, they get two years. You know, they've got a two-year visa, but I've got a British passport. So I actually ended up being over there seven years. But um, so I went there and then I just, again, I ended up in, in London and my friend said there's jobs going at the council and so again you know mum suggested this my auntie suggested that my friend suggested this and I just ended up you know like I didn't really have any ambition or drive you know like I was really good in every job that I did I know that now I didn't know that back then I had a very high level of um, imposter syndrome if you know do you know about imposter syndrome yeah 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 so I didn't believe that I was good enough and that, you know, that I, and when I got promoted, I was like, oh my God, how have they promoted me? And then, you know, after a few years of being in London and getting, getting sober in London, uh, when I came back to New Zealand, my dad suggested the job in the council in New Zealand. So it was like, basically my career history until becoming a rapid transformational therapist, basically it was just somebody suggesting, hey, there's a job over here you might be good at, or hey, I've seen this, you know, or there was a big restructure. So there was a, you know, certain times in my careers that um, they restructured the whole council system in New Zealand, and I ended up in a transport organization. So I went from working on nat natural green, um, protect the, 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 these beautiful rainforest area to buses and trains and like, what? I don't know anything about this. So then again, that would tie into the fear. Um, but actually I did really well in that job and I progressed up and I ended up managing a team of seven people and, you know, leading a, a really big project. But the whole time I had so much fear and anxiety, I had panic attacks, you know, like there was so, so much of like, I don't know what I'm doing. And, um, yeah, I just kind of, you know, fell into that job because the, the company had restructured and that's the job that I, you know, you had to go fight for jobs basically, and um, I actually, you know, advanced really good in that. And that was doing communications and public engagement. So that was where I was at when I came across rapid transformational therapy. So, you know, and this is the first career job, whatever you want to call it, that I've done that I chose or chose me in a way, because when I came across it, I just knew that this was what I was supposed to do. I knew that this was like in my gut, everything was saying, do this, do this, do this. Um, and so, yeah, and I know it is a mouthful. I, I, I tend to shorten it to transformational therapist, um, you know, or even just hypnotherapist sometimes, depending on the audience that I'm, that I'm talking to, uh, because yes, it, it is a mouthful. But yeah, that's kind of like a real brief synopsis of my, my past of, yeah, I, I did counsel, banking, communications. So my, my history was not... Um, therapy but this is where I've ended up well first of all I think you know you mentioned that you work in banking little known fact about me that I don't think I ever talked about on this show I've worked for a very like extremely short time in banking 
I am not a mathematical person by any stretch of the imagination. I would even go as far as to say I suck at math. I'm terrible. <laughs> so why did I be why did I be decide to become a bank teller? Well, it was a part-time job. It was real close to the university that I was intending to transfer to. And I thought if the university didn't work out, because I went to college for a few years, I dropped out, kind of worked my way back into it. And then I had a college that I really wanted to go to. And I was going through so many transitions and undecided on what to do, even though I knew what I wanted to do for like my whole life. That's a whole nother story there. But I decided for whatever crazy reason, tried my hand at working in a bank. And when I went away to the training, I guess the training was like an hour away from where the bank was. So first of all, I couldn't keep up with the rest of the class to save my life. And secondly, the thing that really spooked me out was the company I worked for, they showed a video and kind of like a reenactment of what like a bank holdup would be like. Oh, gosh. And it was pretty extreme. They were showing like the the fake money with the the powder or whatever that is on the money, the ink, and you know, yeah. it was like pretty real. It was it was gangsta. And I was just like, no, I don't want to be in this situation. Above all the bad counting, the slow counting and whatever, I don't want to be in that situation. So I think like a day or so later, I was like, look, I'm quitting this whole thing and I'm just going to concentrate on school. I shouldn't be doing this. So that's that story. (laughs) It's brilliant. Listening to you talk about your path, I'm really impressed because you mentioned imposter syndrome, yet you were like so successful. Like you just, it sounds like you just bounced around and everything just came natural. You were getting promotions and believe me that was not my life at all like I found like the one thing that I'm passionate about and I'm good at and I've kind of like eventually wound up sticking to that because if I didn't do that I'd still be bouncing around job to job probably no promotion probably just kind of bouncing around aimlessly so It's really interesting to me that, you know, you on some level had, you know, you have like this real talent and are very adaptable and can learn fast. Like I'm really impressed, but yet you still had that imposter syndrome. Have you ever asked yourself like why that might have been? Yeah, so it's interesting you say that because I had a one of my bosses in the UK in London. Uh, it was the what well, the Ealing Council, and we were in the housing division. I used to go into he was great. I used to go into his office. Andrew Potter was his name, and I used to go into his office and I'd be having a total meltdown, and I'd be like, I can't do this job. Why have you given me this job? I don't think I could do this. And I, you know, and and 
he would do stuff and say stuff. And then I would come out of the office going, yeah, I've got this. I can do this. It was a great skill that he had to be able to do that. But one of the things that he said to me was, where have you got this fear from of failure? Because you do so well. I've seen your CV. We'd done a, we'd done a, um, a, a cross council wide um, testing day. So we'd done all those kind of aptitude tests, maths tests, language tests, um, inbox tests, and I'd done exceptionally well. Um, you know, I was top of the organization with my test results. And he was like, where have you got this fear from? And I think with imposter syndrome, what I've learned is that there are different levels of imposter. So there's the perfectionist, there's superwoman or superman, there's the natural genius, there's uh, the individualist, and there is the expert. And I kind of was like the perfectionist, so I had to do everything perfectly. I was also the expert, so I didn't like being called an expert, but I, the expert needs to know more, know more, got to know more, got to know more. Don't, I don't think I know enough. Don't think I know enough. So I would do more courses. I would do online. I mean, I loved doing those online aptitude tests to learn more, got to know more. And I think, you know, like I haven't had a, you know, a, what I do, an RTT session on it, but I would go back to school, being quite clever at school, the natural genius, things did come quite easily. So when things come hard, then all of a sudden you think, oh, there must be something wrong with me. There, there must be, you know, like I'm, I'm, I must have issues or, or problems and things like that because this is hard. Why is this hard? And you don't realize that actually for most people, there is a mixture of things. Some things are easy, some things are hard. And that's what I know today. Some things in my life are really easy. I love doing certain things and I'm really good at them. I'm skilled at them. Other things take effort. I have to push myself. I have to, you know, watch that video over and over again before I can get the concept, you know. Um, and it's not just like, oh, I can do it once. But yes, I did. I had a, an outward appearance of being quite confident. I had an a outward appearance of knowing what I was talking about but it was the insides where I was a jittery mess and I was, you know, feeling anxious and, you know, like underneath all of that was just this belief of I'm not good enough. And that kind of stemmed into, I'm not good enough at my job. I'm not good enough as a person. I'm not pretty enough, slim enough, tall enough, um, smart enough, you know, put anything enough in there. And I didn't know that. So I was, you know, I was just pushing for perfection. I was just got to be a good, you know, got to be a good student, got to be a good worker. Um, got to kind of prove, you know, superman, superwoman one of the imposter seat. We have to prove ourselves and we get validation from our work. So I would feel good about like, oh, I've got this massive project on and look at all these things that I'm doing. And that's where I would get my validation. So when I had, when I went from that to this and I wasn't seeing clients, I was building my business. <gasps> There's the validation gone of like, look how, look at all these things that I've achieved. But then you don't savor your achievement. You don't go, yes, well done, Lorraine, pat yourself on the back. Look how good of what you've achieved. You just go, right, what's next? What's next? What's next? Yeah. Well, first of all, if there was a category of imposter syndrome for those of us who listen to grunge and alternative during the 90s. I think I'd be one of those people that would fall under that category because I that was like a type of music that really spoke to me. And I was like, you know, a lot of the messages here, like I hate to admit, but I can kind of like relate. And, you know, it, I think some of that, so I already 
had a lot of imposter syndrome, just from things that were fed into my mind. Being born with cleft lip and palate and having to yeah. face all the judgments and everything else, but yet knowing inside that, you know, hey, I do feel like I have a lot to offer. I have a lot of intelligence. And it was just really like a lot of conflicting information for me. So as I grew, I really struggled to believe in myself and would get in these situations where I think it was pretty much being spelled out right in my face that, I mean, look, there was a girl in high school who told me flat out, and this, I remember exactly when it was. It was my 16th birthday. It was in my German class. And they were like, look, I like you. I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> like, I, I, I look back now, I'm just like, what the hell was I thinking? But, you know, I really struggled with imposter syndrome until I kind of like, so I moved away from home in my late 20s and really got out in the world. I really got to put myself out there and meet other people, put myself in other situations. And you learn, you grow, you evolve. And one day you put it all together and you're like, you know, I think I was wrong to let all that imposter syndrome get in my way. Like you look back at something like I told you from high school, it's like, mm. oh gosh, what was I thinking? Like, you know, it's, for me, it was like, I was better than I thought I was. Yes, yes. Exactly. And that was the thing as well. Like, I didn't think I was like, I look back and I think, wow, in every single job that I was in, I was really good. I picked it up. I, I was a good worker. If I was a boss, I would have employed me. You know, I was good at what I did. I, I was a hard worker. I put in the effort. I put in the long hours, you know. Uh, but one of the things you just picked on there, Mark, was, you know, you had the cleft palate. You know, you felt different, right? So when we're children, we just want to feel the same. Like, I like Barbie. I like Barbie too. Who's Barbie? What? You don't have a Barbie? Oh, you're so weird, you know. Um, I like, I don't know, SpongeBob SquarePants. I like SpongeBob. Who's SpongeBob SquarePants? I don't have a TV. I've never seen it. Oh, you're so weird, you know. If you went to a, like I say this, because so many of my clients come to me with this fear of being different, you know, like I don't fit in. I don't belong. I can't connect. And it can be something like yourself, cleft palate. It can be just wearing glasses. I mean, you've got glasses on. I, I used to wear glasses. I, you know, wear them for reading now. I, um, I had a, a, a plate and my teeth, you know. So you have all these different things. If you sat a group of people down and said, what made you feel different at school? You know, or when you were growing up, you'd have, I was the ginger one. I was the black kid in a white school. I was the girl in the boys sports team. I, I had glasses. I had a cleft palate. I was skinny. I was fat. I was tall. I was short. All of us start to start to compare ourselves when we get to school a lot of the time. And we start to think, oh, I'm not, I'm not good enough because of X, Y, and Z, you know, some people have, I'm better than, you know, but most, a lot of us go to the, I'm not good enough because I'm not as pretty as Sarah or Joanne or whoever, you know, um, and I'm, and I'm different and I stand out. 
nowadays we all want to stand out right we all want to be unique we all want to be different we don't want to be the same and if you go to a party and someone's wearing the same dress you're like oh you know um but that's a real you know you've hit the nail on the head there that feeling different is one of the biggest underlying um sources belief that i'm different of imposter syndrome and that's one way in which the world has evolved that i'm glad that it has gone in that direction because growing up it was just I was so different and just had it in my mind that you know you're different you're different you're different so I kind of learned to just embrace that and march to be in my own drum and it really helped to shape who I am today and I'm really glad that I took on that mindset because I think that kind of thing is embraced, as you put it, a lot more today. And hopefully it will continue to be embraced and somehow we won't go the opposite direction, but maybe by then I'll be retired. So I guess the job (laughs) at that point will be a little bit different for me. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's great that people see some of those things differently today. It's awesome. So with that in mind, and with that being said, let me, speaking of being transformational, let me segue into, so you went to the UK and you continue doing all these things And then there came a point where you decided to become a therapist. When did that happen? Yeah, thanks, Mark. So, yeah, I turned, so I I came back from the UK in 2005, I think. And by then, you know, I got, so I got sober in 2001. So I'll be 20, 21 years sober this year. And um, I've been doing a lot of work, you know, in, in 12-step groups, um, my own, you know, I'd been going to a therapist myself, I'd, I'd done, you know, retreats, mindfulness courses, all sorts of things, constantly working on myself since the age of 24, basically. But turned 40, and I was drink-free, drug-free, smoke-free, uh, but I was back in the sugar. So I was back in overeating, and I was looking for a solution to the overeating. So I was unhappy in myself, in my body. I was extremely um, busy at work. I was doing like 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks with this massive project. And basically my life had kind of just narrowed down to work, the occasional 12 step meeting and eating basically. And um, people would say, oh, how are you? Busy, busy and tired, busy and tired were, were a lot of my answers. And a friend of mine sent me um, Marissa Peer, uh, her video. It used to be called The Biggest Disease Affecting Humanity is the Belief That I'm Not Enough. And I started to watch a little bit of it. And then I thought, oh, who is this? What is this? I don't have time. It was like, I don't know, about 40 minutes long or something. And so I, I closed it in YouTube. And then I had dinner with a friend and I was um, sharing with her how I was struggling with the food and I was really upset. And she mentioned the same lady, Marissa Peer, the same video. 
and I was like, okay, twice, you know, and I came home on a Friday night. I had, you know, I was, by then I was eating three or four ice creams a day. So I would drive home, go to the local shop, buy the ice creams, inhale one before I even got home, then eat the rest of the three over the evening, go to bed feeling really sick. This night I'd also eaten a box of scorched almonds, which are chocolate covered almonds. And so I was feeling really, really sick. And I went to bed. I was couldn't lie on my back or my stomach because it hurt so much. So I was kind of like curled in the fetal position almost. And I just was like, I can't go on like this. I'm 40. I'm single. I hate my job. I'm stressed. I'm fat again. All of this stuff racing around in my head. There was so much going on at work. And my cat at the time woke me up at 3.30 in the morning and I sorted her out and I was just lying there with a racing head. And my, I was like, I've got to, I can't, I can't do this. So I turned the lights on, put my phone on, opened up YouTube. There was Marissa's video. And so I thought, why not? I need something to turn my head off. And I watched the video that started about 4.30 a.m. By 5.30 a.m. I was in my lounge. I had cardboard, I had magazines, scissors and glue, and I was making myself a vision board. I had a light bulb moment that, oh my God, I don't believe that I'm not, I'm, I'm enough, you know? And so I sat there and I literally binge watched her videos and I consciously ate my last big hokey ice cream at 5.30 a.m. in the morning and I haven't had one since. And that was before I even had any of the therapy. And as I watched her videos, I got to one, this was like April 2017, I got to one that said, you can do what I do. And Mark, that's when I knew in my core of my being that this is what I was meant to do. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to do this. So I followed the process. I had a webinar with her and her team. Then I had a one-on-one -on -one with a, a therapist. Um, then I, you know, and then I went to the bank, got money. I booked everything. I went back, you know, booked the tickets back to London because the training was in London and I was in New Zealand at the time. And I literally, from April to July, I, by, by July, I was a certified hypnotherapist. Then I had another year's worth of online training as I, you know, started to see clients. And I went down from five days a week to four days a week to three days a week for the next year. And then after a year, I went full-time boots and all, I'm going to go into this business and give it a go. But it was like, I just knew that I could do this. I'd mentored women in 12-step in therapy, you know, therapy or 12-step, it's not therapy, 12-step, you know, groups. I'd taken people through the 12 steps. I, you know, I, I used to speak on the phone and help people all the time. And so I was like, I can do this. But I tell you what, it's been the most challenging thing I've ever done because even though that's what got me across the door and got me there and, you know, like I got... Uh, I think it was like 98.6% in my exam. So I was like super excited about that and um, passed my therapy, you know, you had to be observed giving therapy and everything. And then I just came back and I, I literally started seeing clients straight away. It was just like, just get into it, just do it. So it transformed my life, you know, like I stopped overeating. I've dropped um, in, in kilograms, it's 22 kilograms. I'm not 100% certain what that is in pounds. Um, then, you know, I, I was on and off antidepressants for 16 years. I'm completely off them since I think the August of that year, I managed to come off them. I was single for 11 years. Now I'm three and a half years in the most loving relationship I've ever been in. Uh, you know, like all of these, it's just completely transformed my own life. And now I use the therapy to transform other people's lives. So it literally changed my life overnight from starting to watch Marissa's videos to where I am today 
and it's still going. And it's no surprise to me hearing the first part of your story that you went all in on mm -hmm. this. It really spoke to you and you went all in on yourself, made all those changes, were able to apply what you learned and now you're on your way with something that you're really passionate about. And do you, do you, first of all, do you think that this is what you were searching for all along? Is just something that spoke to you and something that you could latch on to and be really passionate about? Absolutely. I think everything, like I believe, my belief is that everything I've been through, I had to experience in my life, that it's all just been part of my journey. And that, um, you know, everything was like a stepping stone to the next thing, you know, so, you know, I started, you know, by getting sober. And then I, you know, went on to, to, you know, do my own personal therapy around the anxiety and panic attacks, because, you know, a 12 step group isn't for anxiety, it's for alcohol, um, you know, and then that led me to learning more about, you know, psychotherapy and therapy stuff. Then I did mindfulness courses and that helped me to learn more. Everything was just like a stepping stone to the next thing. So even though like I do, you know, with my clients, I do pure rapid transformational therapy in the session, I will utilize any experience that I've had. So, you know, I can, I can say to a client, I've been there, I've done that. So when, you know, like when I talk to certain people, they're like, you can't have had all of that. And I'm like, yes, I've literally overcome drugs, alcohol, smoking, food, you know, um, relationship blocks, you know, imposter syndrome, like I literally anxiety, depression, panic attacks. And um, because all of those things go intertwined, when you don't feel like you're good enough, you just manifest more and more things that, that make you feel like you're not good enough. And, um, and so this then, when I got to this, like on day one of the training, I hypnotized four people in the first day. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I was so high, you know, and, you know, like I'm so passionate about it. I talk to strangers about it. I talk to, you know, like sometimes I think to myself, shut up, Lorraine, they're not interested, you know, but it is fascinating to me. The more that I do this, you know, the more that I see, like just looking at, like I've got some notes sitting next to me, I'm doing some work. And there's like, this lady came to see me for migraines and her mind says, I'm helping you take time for yourself because you never stop. So her mind and body made her stop by giving her a migraine. You know, like that's how powerful our minds are. The more that I do this, the more that I see how creative, how powerful our minds are, it just makes me just think, just blown away. I, you know, like everything I've experienced, I can use to help someone else. And I also now know doing this therapy that you have all the answers within you, Mark. You know, like if you came to me and you said, I'm coming to see you about some issue that I've never even heard of, I'm like, okay, then that's fine because I don't need to know because you have all the answers inside you and in your mind and in your body. And so I just use the techniques to help guide you to find what was the root cause for, you know, what, you know, like, you know, some of the things we've consciously talked about, but there'll be some things subconsciously that drive us you know, like this lady thought she had something physically wrong with her with migraines and her mind said, no, I'm just stopping you because you won't stop. And it's like, how amazing is that? You know? Um, so yeah, so I am extremely passionate about it. I love it. I, I get really excited when I'm working with clients and I, you know, find the root cause with them of something. And I'm like, 
could you see how your mind did that and that and I learned this created this you know um and so yeah I, I definitely believe that whether I was purposely looking for this or whether it found me it's definitely the best fit and I see a big difference in the way you talk about all of this compared to the past because you're like yeah I did this I did this but when it comes to your therapy like your face just lights up I mean it's a total difference and one thing I do want to talk about, and I've had a few hypnotherapists on this show in the past, yep. and I always like talking about the fact that when you're talking about hypnotherapy, it's not like what you see on a TV show when somebody holds something up and says, you're getting sleepy. Like, it's not like that at all. Maybe if you can kind of explain what that process looks like sure sure mark so yeah so hypnosis is just a relaxed state of awareness where we can talk between the conscious and the subconscious so we can access the subconscious memories the thoughts the beliefs that have been created so i like to say to to clients and people that are interested like that that have seen those things because i like I, you know i get a lot of people saying you're not going to make me cluck like a chicken or bark like a dog are you and you know like i always say not unless you want me to but the truth is I don't actually know how to do that. I haven't been trained in how to do hypnosis to make you cluck like a chicken. Um, although I have chickens and I love chickens. Um, so, you know, like it's just a really relaxed state of awareness. We all go into hypnosis. So if you've ever driven down the road and all of a sudden you've got, you know, got a little wee way down the road and you're like, how did I get here? I, you know, I can't remember the last, did I go through a red light? Oh my God, did I, you know, like, how, oh gosh, I can't remember the last stretch of my driving that's where your mind's been in a hypnotic state. So your conscious mind is off thinking about the day, the week, shopping, arguments, whatever, work, and your conscious, subconscious mind has taken over and driven the car. So your conscious and your subconscious are both there at that point. And so it's the same as if you're deep into a book or watching TV and somebody's calling you um, and you're like, huh, what, what? You know, you, you were in that state of awareness. So I say to my clients, it's like being really relaxed and talking to me with your eyes closed. You know, so, you know, I, I was taught a technique where you look up and you get your eyes to flutter a little bit and then you close your eyes, rapid eye movement, because when we go dreaming, it's the same brainwave. And so you interact with me the whole time in a session, you know, like you're aware, I can't make you do or say anything you don't want to do. So even with clients, when I might say, I might give them words, like if, if, I, if I get them to say they go to a scene and somebody's hurt them. And I get to say, I get them to say to that person, hey, Mark, you really hurt me. Uh, and they don't know what to say or they, you know, they get stuck. I might, you know, help them with giving them some words to start off. If they don't like the words that I've given them, they will change the words. You know, like if I, if I, you know, said a swear word and they didn't swear, they wouldn't swear. You know, um, so hypnosis is just a place where you're really relaxed. We can access those subconscious memories and we can upgrade them. So, you know, I'm really light in trance. I wriggle around, you know, like I get comfortable. I move my body. Some people feel really heavy, like they, like their heads are down and they, they're like, oh my God, I can't feel like I can't lift my arms. And it still works because it really is just a place where we can access the information that we can't actually access consciously. And that kind of taps into something really important that you said 
earlier, which is that we all actually have the answers within us. And not that I think I have all the answers, but one answer that I do have is kind of what you're alluding to. And it's something I've learned as I've gotten older is that a lot of answers that I need for how I feel about certain situations and how I feel about myself, even if I'm feeling conflicted and don't know for sure the answer, I do know that the answer is from within. And I think that's a really important thing to learn in life. And there's a really good thing. I, I wasn't learned in the therapy that I do, but it just came to mind. So I'm going to share it. So when you're conflicted and you're like, should I go left or should I go right? You know, if you've got two different things to choose from, if you flip a coin and you say, you know, heads is left, tails is right. And you get right. And you're like, oh, I don't want to go right. There's your answer. Because then you're disappointed, actually. You, you, you know, or you're like, yes, gets the answer I wanted then you kind of, you kind of know. Um, it's like, um, you know, like when, when I've got somebody in hypnosis, I don't necessarily know if somebody's coming to me for alcohol, I don't necessarily know whether they should be go completely sober and not drink or whether they should drink one to two drinks a week or whether three to four drinks a week or, or whatever. I can have some recommendations based on my own experience, my training, the questionnaire that they fill out. Same people, same with weight loss. I don't know what weight you should be, what weight someone should be if they're coming to me for weight loss. But under hypnosis, there's a, I can say, I'm the part of Mark that knows whether he should be sober or whether he should have one or two drinks a week or, or whether he should be X weight or X weight. And that information comes from you, you know? And so, so then when I then do a, you know, a personalized hypnotic recording for my clients to listen to, I'm then putting into the recording what the client wants. So I'm not saying, oh, I think you should, you know, weigh a hundred pounds. I don't know what a hundred pounds is, if that's, you know, but, um, you know, like 200 pounds, 150 pounds, like I'm trying to, to use the techniques that I've got for you to access the information that you have within you. You know, I know what's good for me, what's not good for me. I know what I can eat and what I can't eat. You know, um, I know these things from my own experience. But so many of us, well, for me anyway, I was constantly looking for an external answer. So for somebody to tell me what I should be doing, how I should be doing it. And so when I started doing this therapy, all of a sudden I went from having a hierarchical, you know, corporate um, organization with people to go to who were going to tell me what to do to, oh, I have to do all of this myself, you know, like right from the admin to the marketing to the therapy, I have to do it all myself. And I'd be like, and I'd ring my mentor and things like that. And it's like less and less I have to do that as I know, actually, if I just sit quietly and just tap into myself, I do have the answer. And it will come. It might not be the first time I sit down quietly. Uh, I might have to do some writing about it. I might have to do some self-hypnosis. I even get my own therapy sessions with therapists because I can't access this stuff by myself sometimes. But I know it's in there. I've just got to clear away some of the, the things that are that are hiding the, the truth. Well, at the risk of sounding like a job interview, one thing <laughs> I'm curious about is we get closer to the end of this episode. You've accomplished a lot. You've done a lot. What are you most proud of? Are you most proud of 
the things you've overcome, like the personal uh, things, or are you more proud of standing on your own two feet as an entrepreneur? Is it something else? Oh, good question. And as you're asking that, I was thinking, wow, the great thing about that question is that I actually, in the past, I would have been like, I don't know what to say because I don't know what I'm proud of and, or I'm not proud of myself. Today, I'm actually sitting here going, I don't know what to say because there's so many things that I'm proud of, which actually makes me feel really emotional because I can see how far I've come, which I'm like really proud of the fact that I'm proud of myself. Um, I think one of the things you said there, I'm proud of the fact that I did this off my own back, that I didn't speak to, like when I came across this, you know, and, my, and I watched all those Marissa videos and I booked everything, I didn't speak to my 12-step mentors. I didn't speak to my therapist. I didn't speak to my parents. I didn't speak to anyone. I did this on my own. I decided I was going to change my career. So I'm really proud of that. And I think also one of the things I'm really proud of is that I don't give up, that when I hit roadblocks, when I stumble, when I have challenges, which I do because I'm human, when I have strong, overwhelming, overpowering emotions that I don't know how to deal with, I don't give up. I just keep looking for solutions. I get another therapy session. I speak to a mentor. I do the work. I do the journaling. I, you know, read another, you know, I've got, I'm just looking at a pile of books over there that I've got to read. You know, I read another one of those books and I find a solution that, that I'm constantly growing that, you know, I'm, I'm really proud that, that I just keep going. And if I hit a roadblock in my relationship, I don't do what my old belief was, which was it's easier and safer to be alone, get out, run, 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 break it up, end it. I look for a solution, you know? So um, yes, I'm proud of the fact that I'm 21 years sober this year. Yes, I'm proud of the fact that I'm smoke-free, drink-free, drug-free, 90 to 95% sugar-free now, slim, fit, healthy, all these amazing things. But I'm proud that I just keep, keep going um, and that I have so many things that I, that I can be proud of, which in the past, I remember sitting outside a 12-step meeting and somebody said, What's one thing that you like about yourself? Because I was so low, I was literally sitting in the gutter. Um, and I, all I could come up with at the time was my eyelashes. And I think how sad for that poor young me at 24 that all she could think of that she liked about herself was her eyelashes. And then I think I said, oh, maybe my legs, you know? Um, but from then it's, it's grown. And I've got a list of things that I, that I like and love about myself. Some that are really quirky, like singing to my chickens and putting those on Facebook. I don't care. I, I, I never would have done that stuff before, but I sing to my chickens. I love my chickens. I've got them all chicken funny names. And, you know, like um, I bounce on trampolines, like all these things that I do now that, that I'm just embracing me. And it's amazing what a little bit of work and a little bit of self-belief, it's amazing where it can take you. And as you were talking about the difference between the younger you versus the you of today, it really makes me think of what a difference in my own life. And I had all these dreams and all these things that I wanted to do, but I was like, uh, who would want to listen to me or who would, excuse me, too much soda here while I'm talking <laughs> to you here. And I can I, hypnotize that out of you, Matt. <laughs> and I actually should take you up on that. I, I've cut back quite a bit, but I still, even with me exercising and trying to take care of myself, eat better, I still 
before I did this episode, I was like, you know, I think I need, because all I'm doing is just a seven ounce. It's not like a 20 ounce or 30 ounce or multiple of those big ones a day. Just needed a little one. Like, you know, I'm feeling mentally bogged down. I want to give mm. Lorraine my best. So I uh, picked up a seven ounce Coke. I should have you hypnotized that out of me. And now I feel like I have been hypnotized out of what I was saying. I know. Sorry, I distracted you. No, it was a good point. But I think what I was trying to say is I, when I think about the younger version of myself That's right. and I see where I'm at today and I remember all those nights of putting on the headphones, listening to music, dreaming about life and dreaming about doing this or doing a lot of the things I'm doing now. It was just like, I don't even know if that's possible. I don't even know if I can do that. But if you just have that self-talk and listen to yourself as you're, you've kind of alluded to through this whole episode, the answers are there. You can dig it all out and you can be that uh, best version of you. And I think you were an amazing person to have on this show for not only people aspiring to be an entrepreneur, but hopefully anybody who just wants to up their game in life and wants to become a better version of themselves great for even somebody like me to hear the words coming from you you've overcome so much and I mean that's inspirational and it's one of the many reasons I do this show so with all that being said let's get into the part where you tell everybody how they can find you and how they can work with you. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Mark. So yeah, so uh, LorraineMaguire.com is my website and um, Lorraine Maguire Therapy on Facebook and Instagram, basically. Those are the, I'm not hugely on social media, but um, those are my, the places that you can find me. And one of the things that I wanted to just touch on in regards to working with me, it's like, I believe that if you've got something in your life that you don't want in your life, hypnotherapy rtt can help free you of that if there's something that you do want but you just can't seem to get there hypnotherapy rtt can help you with that you know i believe that the mind is like a computer and you know even like the coke you've got a drinking coke program you know if we use that as an example we've got programs of how to make the bed how to do the dishes personal hygiene you know we're just like little computers you know acting out our little programs if you want to think of it at, at, at a basic level and so you know I used to have a program where I didn't make the bed every day just because when I was younger my mind believed that making the bed was painful so I said to myself when I'm old enough I'm never going to make the bed right and so then I left home and I never made the bed now I make the bed regularly I've retrained my, myself to do that um but weight, you know, if I'm overweight, it's just a program. If I'm, you know, drinking too much Coke, it's just a program. If I've got migraines, it's, it can be a program. Um, it can be, inter things can be interlinked with hormones, but the mind and the body are so connected. 
that if I think to myself, oh, I'm just so tired. I really just want a day off. I'm really tired. Boom. I wake up the next day sick or something, you know, because my mind's like, oh, she needs a day off. There you go. I gave you a day off. So working with me, uh, I offer everyone a, a free 20 minute Zoom or phone call consultation so people can chat to me about what, what I do and how I can help them in their own personal issue. Um, and then if they decide to, to book a session, you know, sessions are about an hour and a half to two hours long and um, everyone gets their own personalized hypnotic recording personal to them. So, you know, like I love what I do. I can help with multiple issues because of my own past experience. But also because of what I said, you know what's inside you. I can just help you tap in to find that computer program. You know, like why don't we, you know, we update the software on our phones. We update the software and our apps on our laptops, even a watch. I don't have my watch on today, but my swimming watch gets updated with software. Why wouldn't I update the software of my mind? Change the software, change the program, and then everything else changes. So yeah, um, love to work with anyone who was interested. Update the software in my mind. I couldn't have said it better. That is amazing. That's like the phrase of the week, I think. Update the software in my mind. Yeah. Um, which I certainly try to do as much as I can. One thing I want to say about your social media is your Instagram is really, really nice. And I encourage people to not only reach out to Lorraine, but also to follow your Instagram. You have a great little Instagram going. I'm like, no, that that really needs to be mentioned because I do my homework on my guests. And uh, that was something that I'm like, I'm at least going to give that a mention. So, oh, thanks, Mark. But I think that, with all that being said, Lorraine... Thank you very much for taking time out of your day. You have a whole day ahead of you now. I do, yes. It's only like 10 a.m. there, whereas <laughs> it's like 5 o'clock and I got to get ready to make dinner here. So with all that being said, Lorraine McGuire, thank you very much for being on Mark My Words. Have a blast. I'm really inspired by your story and your transformation and I wish you nothing but the best moving forward. I know that you will have nothing but the best. One quick question, speaking of the future, what is next for you? Is, is there more on the way? Are you thinking about doing something else entrepreneurial or is it just building upon what you're doing? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I love being interviewed on podcasts like yourself. So thank you, Mark, for having me as a guest, number one. And I've got another podcast interview this evening. I, I, I love to talk. One of the things that I've learned about myself is that I love to talk. Sometimes I talk too much for people. That's okay. I'm, I'm a work in progress. Um, but I love to talk. So yes, I want to, to build my, you know, myself as a speaker, motivational speaker on podcasts, on stages. I used to have panic attacks being on stage. Now I love to stand on stage and speak in front of a, a room of people. I love to do workshops. So I love the one-on-one 
client work, uh, but I also love the group work as well. So that's probably going to need to wait a little bit until all the COVID stuff, you know, goes away because I love the in-person. I have done a lot of group workshops online and it works just as well online, this therapy, don't get me wrong. I've had all, most of my sessions online, um, but um, I just love, I'm a people person. I like to be in a room with people. So going forward, that's where I can see myself. Like you were saying about dreaming, envisioning what you want. I can see myself on a stage in front of rooms of people, you know, whether I'm just talking or whether I'm hypnotizing the room of people, you know, watch this space. Yeah, and when you said all that and you talk about speaking in front of people and you said dreaming, it's almost like you already knew that that was something that I dreamed about doing myself. And that's something that I myself hope that I do someday is speak in front of people other than doing a podcast, which I obviously love doing a podcast and I hope I do it for like 30 more years, but uh, I would love to get out there myself and speak. And that's one of the motivations for me doing all of this. So as somebody who likes to speak to another person who likes to speak, you can come back here anytime. And maybe if I get my act together and start doing some stuff live, I can have you back for that. So Brilliant. with all that being said, this was Lorraine McGuire. She is a rapid transformational specialist. And I hope a therapist. I almost said specialist. Rapid transformational <laughs> therapist. I told you that was going to be a mouthful for me. So... <laughs> That is what Lorraine does. Go check her out. Real quick, what I've started doing is quickly telling people, you like my show, you like hearing what I have to say, come find me on LinkedIn. My name, Mark Schmidt, M-A-R-C Schmidt. Come find me. I talk about entrepreneurship. I talk careers. I talk anything else that's on my mind. I may even show you a video of me doing my, um, oh gosh, droning. I can't even think. This is how I know I need a break. So I just got a drone a few months ago and I've already posted a few videos. I love kind of tying that into the things I talk about. You can find me also on Instagram at markmyword6. I've also just come find me at Nimrod 79. I born in 79, Green Day fan my whole life. That's how that ties together. Come find me. Same handle on Twitter, elsewhere on social media. And again, thanks, Lorraine. And I will be back soon with a new episode of Mark My Words. Thanks and have a great day. Thanks again for taking time out of your busy day to listen to Mark My Words. If you would like to connect with me beyond the show, you can find me on LinkedIn at Mark Schmidt, where I will be talking about entrepreneurship, careers, and anything else that is on my mind. You can also connect with me on Twitter and Instagram 
and Nimrod 1979 and Nimrod 79 respectively. This podcast also has a page on Instagram at Mark My Words. And finally, if you want to leave me a voicemail or check out what I'm up to with the podcast, come find me at podpage.com slash mark dash my dash words. Thanks again for listening, and I'll be back with a new episode soon. Bye for now. Bye.